We found that women of color and people who are in the LGBTQ communities experience the most harassment. But that being said, almost half of women founders experience harassment across the board. That's 44%. So the numbers are just astronomically high. And this is something we see across the board. Women in tech are constantly enduring sexist and racist comments and remarks. People are asking, well, why aren't women staying? What are women doing wrong? And the problem is, what's not keeping them? And I know we had 85% of the women working in tech that were harassed. Their harasser faced no repercussions after reporting it. Why would people even feel comfortable to stay if they do decide to report it? Nothing is done. I'm your host, Michelle King, and you're listening to The Fix a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. The mathematician Ada Lovelace wrote the first computer program in 1842. The Navy Admiral and mathematician Grace Hopper helped create the first computer programming language. Women received almost 40% of computer science degrees way back in 1984. And even though they've continued to work in the field for decades, making essential contributions, they continue to face sexism, sexual harassment, and unsafe working conditions. It's just too easy to blame women for not wanting to work in the sector. But if you take a closer look at the hostile working conditions in the technology industry, it's no surprise that women exit the field at an alarming rate. As far as sexual harassment goes, the technology and telecommunications industry comes in second only to media in terms of the number of incidents experienced by women. A survey released this month by Women Who Tech in their report, State of Women in Tech, which includes responses from 1,000 tech employees, founders, and investors globally, found that nearly 50% of women founders and women working in tech have experienced harassment. That's a statistic that's barely budged since 2017, which is really surprising given all the awareness the hashtag MeToo movement raised. When asked what kind of sexual harassment, 65% of women founders said they were propositioned for sex. In addition, 59% of women experienced unwanted physical contact. 56% of women had sexual slurs directed at them. 32% of women were physically groped. And 24% of women were sent graphic photos. On this episode, Justin Heinz, director of Women Who Tech, will share the report findings and help explain why there's been such little progress when it comes to creating a safe, welcoming work environment for women in technology. The Me Too movement marked its third anniversary on Thursday by launching an online platform to fight sexual violence, hoping to expand the reach of the campaign against harassment and assault. The digital platform called MeToo Act2 will act like a search engine, 
giving users personalized options to donate, participate, or otherwise get involved in efforts to end sexual violence. The shift from MeToo as a movement to MeToo as an action platform is welcome. The technology sector in particular needs this action. The lived experience of women working in the tech sector has not changed despite a global movement and countless company commitments to do so. For example, in April 2019, it came to light that Microsoft was investigating dozens of complaints of discrimination and harassment from female employees following the leak of an internal company email chain showing just how widespread the discontent was. A Google staff member who helped organize walkouts in November 2018 because of protests over allegedly overly lenient treatment of executives accused of sexual harassment decided to quit in June 2019. She claimed that she had been subject to management retaliation for her actions, which made it difficult for her to do her job. Elsewhere, half a dozen games developers have been publicly accused of a range of abusive behaviors by former female colleagues, one of which includes allegations of rape. These lived experiences highlight one of the key issues plaguing the industry, which we talk about a lot on this podcast. That is denial. For example, the report finds that 69%, that's nearly 70% of white male founders report a positive impact following the Me Too movement, compared to 34% of white women and 24% of racial and ethnic minority women founders. Here, Justin explains the issue of denial in more detail. Okay, we're in 2020. (laughs) Everyone should be able to work in tech or anywhere, really. Women should be able to work without being concerned about harassment in the workplace. Um, But unfortunately, that's just not the case. And so we conducted this survey. And it's our second time doing it. We conducted the first survey in 2017 around the state of women in tech and startups to understand where people were at, what their experiences were. And then we decided to make this a regularly occurring survey just to gather the data and track it across time. We partnered with uh, Lincoln Park Strategies, a polling firm, and we anonymously surveyed 1,003 tech employees, founders, and investors on their experiences in the tech sector. With the 2020 survey, we really wanted to identify the barriers and challenges that people are facing directly in the tech sector and track whether the systemic sexism and racism that respondents had experienced in 2017 had shifted at all, especially over the course of the Me Too movement and looking at how that has had global implications. But what implications has it actually had on women's real life experiences in tech? So the survey paralleled 2017's but introduced new questions. So we talked about investors' perception of gender parity in tech and whether investors believe that gender actually plays a role in access to funding. And, you know, they do believe that it plays a role, but they also, um, they think it's a pipeline problem, but they don't think access itself is an issue. So they think they don't have enough women in their portfolio or women of color, but they think that as long as you have a good idea and a solid business plan with some traction, you have the same opportunities for funding regardless of who the founders are and what those demographics are. And that just isn't the case. We found that women of color and people who are in the LGBTQ communities experience the most harassment, but That being said, almost half of women founders experience harassment across the board. That's 44%. And 65% of LGBTQ founders say they've experienced harassment, while 47% of women founders of color have. So the numbers are just 
astronomically high. <laughs> and 43% of those women who experienced harassment said it occurred within the last 12 months, so during and after the peak of the Me Too movement. One of the greatest things about the Me Too movement is that it disrupted both men and women's denial about the widespread nature of sexual harassment and sexual assault in organizational life. The challenge is making sure that individuals shift their awareness into action. So then we wanted to look a little deeper and and kind of see what does this look like compared to men? What are these experiences that are happening to women that are so different? So 76% of the women who experience harassment experience sexist harassment versus just 24% of men, where 56% of women endured offensive slurs and only 6% of men did. And this is something we see across the board where women founders are constantly, or even just women in tech, are constantly enduring sexist and racist comments and remarks. I know that we had a founder who we were working with a few years ago, and she was in the middle of raising funding for a really amazing startup. And she'd been talking to an investor, and he actually told her that he would fund her if she had a beard. And it's just shocking when I hear stories like that. Even though I do this work on a day-to-day basis, I am still not used to it. And I don't ever want to get used to it, but it's so surprising to me. It's horrifying. I think we have this bro tech culture that uplifts and reinforces toxic behavior, and it becomes this system that just continuously churns it. And instead of really uplifting and uprooting that, people are asking, well, why aren't women staying? What are women doing wrong? And the problem is, what's not keeping them? And I know we had 85% of the women working in tech that were harassed. They said that their harasser faced no repercussions after reporting it at work. And why would people even feel comfortable to stay and work in this environment when if they do decide to report it, nothing is done? I think that one of the most important uh, beyond just taking reports of harassment seriously is to have an unbiased reporting process. So right now, HR is typically where people report incidents of harassment. But if HR is protecting the company and the C-suite, who's protecting the employees? And I know that this isn't just my thoughts. I mean, I mentioned earlier that 85% of the women who were harassed said the harasser didn't face repercussions, but nearly half of the women who reported said they faced negative repercussions after reporting the harassment. So this is really deterring people from choosing to go forward about the harassment they experienced. So I think having some sort of outside reporting process where people are able to go to an outside unbiased entity to report what's happening and have it be looked into and taken seriously needs to be a first step. We actually collected anonymous comments uh, throughout the survey. And one woman said that she didn't believe HR would believe her. The person who was harassing her had lied to HR numerous times and they believed everything he told them. Another woman said that the harassing manager, who, who the person who was harassing her, was fired, but then she was fired the next day for reporting it. If the only place to report is HR, one woman said, then I'll never report it. HR exists to protect the organization, not the employees, which is exactly my thoughts behind it. And I think that makes it really, really harmful. So I think that's one way to really at least create a process and a culture of being able to come forward and a culture of believing people who say that they're experiencing harassment. 
So I think that reporting process also needs to have confidentiality and the ability to report things and have your information remain anonymous and confidential while that research is going on and while they're really looking into the incident so that people aren't retaliated against just for reporting. Feeling psychologically safe is just the basics. It's not something that organizations should view as what good looks like. Rather, it's an essential requirement for all workplaces. In the report findings, Justin shared that the women founders who experienced harassment by an investor, of them, 59% were explicitly propositioned for sex in exchange for investment fundings and introductions. Nearly 50% of women founders were told they would raise more money if they were a man. This is unacceptable. Every woman deserves to feel safe at work, but women also deserve work environments where their capabilities are valued and invested in. Only 2.8% of venture capital funding even goes to women-led startups, period. That just as, as a baseline. And for women of color, it's like 0.02%. So it's just minuscule and horrifying. We're seeing these numbers just be so drastically low. And there is a problem, right? Like we need to do something better to create an environment where people are able to be supported and be heard and be taken seriously and respected regardless of their gender or sexual orientation or race, right? We need to be able to help fund the best products on the market. And we can't do that if we're only funding most often cisgender white men. I think we need more investors deliberately and intentionally looking at who's in their portfolio. We need investors to stop this meritocracy where they're only funding people who look like them and who are in their circles. So again, typically white men. And we need to broaden that. And it has to be done through an intentional process of doing things like partnering with organizations like Women Who Tech or or the many other tech organizations that help support and uplift women tech founders and partnering with them. Let's talk about their pipeline problem, right? It's not a pipeline problem. There are plenty of women founders. And it's really just a problem about making the intentional effort to fund them. So we work with a lot of investors, Craig Newmark of Craigslist and the Craig Newmark Philanthropies is a huge advocate and sponsor actually of Women Who Tech. But it's also about having men like Craig who are going to be allies at the top levels of tech, who are well-known, speaking out against harassment and speaking up for funding more women-led startups and really breaking down this gender gap. Finally, Justin shares how we need to hold each other accountable for taking action. I hear these stories again and again, and, and I'm continuously surprised and shocked and outraged. But I also think that when we have these movements like hashtag me too, and hashtag Black Lives Matter. When they're a trending hashtag, we need less trending campaigns and more people in positions of power to recognize that power, not abuse it, and actually support women. I think that when I'm looking at it, when there's so much hype around it, and it's in the news constantly, and it's almost like sensationalized, it's easier to think about on a day-to-day basis. So for people who aren't experiencing this harassment, this sexism or racism or whatever kind of harassment you're experiencing, they stop thinking about it when it's not right at the forefront. So Me Too or Black Lives Matter simply cannot be both the beginning and the end, right? We need all of the middle. 
we need these people who are at the top implementing anti-harassment and no to zero tolerance policies from the top down. And then those need to really be cultivated then from the bottom up. If you are someone who's in a position of power, hold your peers accountable. While you might have the value, make sure you're upholding those values in the workplace and with the people around you. Ask the hard questions, call people out when they're being sexist, when they're being racist, because it's the silence that's going to continue perpetuating this harassment and this racism and sexism. So speak out and while it might be hard, have some confidence and do the right thing. much for tuning in today. While this episode focuses on the tech sector, as many of you know, just by following this podcast, inequality is everywhere. Hearing about how it's experienced in one sector enables you to think about how this might apply in your organization. Most importantly, I hope you can begin to think about how you might take action, whether that's through using the Me Too Act 2 tool or downloading and using the Not Me app or speaking up at work and holding leaders accountable for the hostile work environments they create for women. Every one of us is responsible for equality because we know that inequality exists. And so we get to decide if this is something we'll simply accept or something that we'll fight against. Before you go, just a quick reminder that you can get a copy of my book, The Fix, or the electronic or audible version from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, or at all major retailers. In reading The Fix, you'll learn about hostile work environments and most importantly, what you can do to take action to create a workplace that works for everyone. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.